0: Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. Over the last few weeks, I've had a bit of a break, but over that period, there seems to have been a lot of talk about whether we're going to have a recession in Australia and what that might mean for us as individuals and also for us as investors. I guess one of the first questions is, what exactly is a recession? A recession is generally defined as a period of contraction, in the level of economic activity. Traditionally, we define economic activity by GDP, um, and in many countries, a recession is seen technically as two or more quarters in a row of falling economic activity as measured by GDP. But of course, this measure can have its failings. For example, if GDP falls 1% in one quarter, rises 0.1% in the next, and then falls another 1%, it would not meet the technical definition of recession, but probably would um, be seen as recession by most people. So some, like the US, for example, adopt a wider definition based around a period of contraction as measured by GDP and a range of other economic indicators, including industrial production, income and employment. For all intents and purposes, uh, in the US, for example, most of their defined recessions do line up with periods of two or more quarters of negative Um, activity or falls in GDP. So for all intents and purposes, the two definitions can lead to the same thing. Of course, there is a complication in Australia. We have very strong population growth. So in recent times, there's been a bit of a focus on what's called a per capita recession, which is where the economy still grows, but at a lot lower rate than the population. So GDP per person goes backwards. This is arguably more relevant for individual living standards, particularly when population growth is very strong, as it has been in Australia just recently. GDP per capita Capita has in fact already contracted in the March quarter, and most, including the RBA and the government, are forecasting at least a per capita recession. So why suddenly all the concern? This concern, of course, has been building over the last 12 months or so with central bank interest rate hikes, including by the Reserve Bank. But the concern about recession has increased lately because central banks are still raising rates uh, after doing so for a long time, and if anything, some of them, like the Reserve Bank, seem to have become a bit more hawkish. The rise in interest rates is aimed at slowing inflation by slowing demand and hence economic activity. It does this by increasing debt servicing costs for households, particularly those with mortgages and businesses with debt, which reduces spending power. It also raises the cost of future borrowing, which slows down home building and and business investment. It also has the effect of lowering asset values. For example, as interest rates go up, it tends to push share prices and property prices down. Not always, but that's a broad impact, which results in less spending as people feel poorer via a negative wealth effect. And finally, it, or rising interest rates, help slow down inflation by pushing the currency higher than otherwise, making it cheaper to bring in imports, which directly lowers inflation, and also reducing the demand for our exports. So all of those factors are channels by which higher interest rates serve to slow demand in the economy and hence reduce inflation. Because central banks never know when they have raised interest rates enough to control inflation, they often end up going too far, pushing the economy into recession. This was the case prior to recessions in Australia in the early 1980s and the early 1990s, and also in the US in the early 2000s and in 2008. We have been of the view that easing global inflationary pressures, as evident in improving supply and falling price pressures in various business surveys, etc., would have enabled central banks to have stopped raising interest rates by now. But central banks have gone further, than we thought, and remain hawkish. This includes the RBA, which following signs of increasing upside risk to wages growth, particularly following the higher than expected increase in minimum and award wages at a time of low productivity growth, appears to have become more hawkish and to be giving less weight to keeping the economy on an even keel. So why all the fuss about faster wages growth? Of course, everyone wants to see their wages grow faster than inflation. You want to keep up with the cost of living, but when wages are simply chasing inflation higher, as we saw in the 1970s, it can lead to a wage price spiral, which perpetuates high inflation as companies raise prices to maintain profits in response to stronger wages. As a result, the second round response to the initial spike in inflation of catching up wages growth risks entrenching high inflation, hence the more aggressive approach by central banks to guard against this. The Bank of England has gone down this path, particularly citing very strong wages growth in the UK, which is now running around 7% in fact, and the RBA appears to be going down this path to some degree as well. Even though our wages growth is not that strong yet, they are concerned that it is heading in that direction. But of course, some might argue, well, unemployment is low and shares are up 10% or more from their lows of 2022, so how can there be a recession on the way? True, the Australian economy has been remarkably resilient despite a four percent or four hundred basis point rise in the official cash rate and a doubling or more in mortgage rates. The economy is still growing. The roads are congested. Restaurants seem full. Travel has surged, and unemployment is just three point six percent. In other words, close to a fifty year low, almost fifty year low. However, this provides little comfort. If good times uh, perpetually perpetuate good times, we'd never have a recession, and normally. Um, recessions start after a period of good times. It's also worth noting in particular that interest rates uh, impact the economy with a lag of up to 12 months as it takes time for rate hikes to be passed through to borrowers, for borrowers in turn to cut their spending and for companies to cut their workforces. This time around the lag is likely longer thanks to massive pandemic fiscal stimulus which left many households coming out of the lockdowns with much higher than normal savings balances. Um, The removal of those lockdowns released pent up demand uh, which has been running its course with revenge spending and revenge travel. And of course, 40% of Australian home borrowers, um, if you go back a year or two ago, had locked themselves in at record low fixed rate mortgages, whereas normally you've only got about 15% of home borrowers at fixed rate mortgages. Now, of course, for those borrowers, it takes a while for the higher interest rates to flow through. But of course, that is now starting to show up now. We've also got a more competitive mortgage rate market than normal, which has blunted the flow through of rate hikes even for those with variable rates. This lag was evident in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Despite the Reserve Bank progressively hiking interest rates to 18% over the two years going into 1989, the unemployment rate kept falling, prompting many to argue the economy was impervious. But then in late 1989 and early 1990, the lagged impact of rate hikes hit and the economy went into deep recession with the RBA having to rapidly reverse course. It was a classic case of the economy being okay until it's not. So just because things are fine now and unemployment is still low, doesn't mean that's going to remain the case. Of course things were different back then with household debt to income ratios being around one third of current levels and very high inflation expectations resulting in much higher interest rates back then. But the lags are still relevant and that is the key in all of this. The protection provided households by fixed rates is now ending with borrowers was seeing rates reset to levels two or three times what they were and at some point the savings buffers and the reopening bills first will have been exhausted. And we are now starting to see increasing evidence that rate hikes are biting with falling real retail sales, falling building approvals, slowing business investment, slowing GDP growth and more negative corporate commentary, rising insolvencies or corporate insolvencies, I think are at something like a seven year high and increasing indications of a slowing jobs market. So what's the risk of recession? We have already revised our Australian GDP growth forecast down to just 0.7% for this financial year, compared to the RBA's forecast for growth of 1.4%. But as a result of ongoing rate hikes, we see the risk of recession starting around late this year or early next year as now very high at around 50%. Consumer spending is almost certain to start going backwards later this year as the 4% plus cash rate will push debt servicing costs into record territory as a share of household income, and on the RBA's own analysis, 15% 15% of households with a variable rate mortgage, which covers about 1 million people, will be cash flow negative by year end. And that was at a 3.75% cash rate. And of course, we have now gone well beyond this. It's worth noting that the US leading economic indicator, which is produced by an organisation called the Conference Board in the US, and that's comprised of economic indicators like building approvals that normally lead the economic cycle, has already fallen to levels normally associated with recession. In Australia, though, the Westpac Melbourne Institute's leading index has fallen, but it is not yet decisively at levels associated with recession, which partly explains why we have put the risk of recession at 50% as opposed to more. What will recession mean for Australians? Many Australians have had no experience. Experience of recession as the last real recession ended over 30 years ago. Pandemic slump in 2020 was due to a mandated shutdown and incomes were protected at the time by programs like JobKeeper. So it's not really much of a guide to any future recession. A recession normally sees much higher unemployment, for example, the early 1980s and 1990s recessions saw a roughly five percentage point increase in the unemployment rate. They also mean less job security, a contraction of living standards and low levels of confidence. Most will still keep their jobs, but they would experience less less job security and wages bargaining power and lower levels of confidence. However, recessions eventually also mean lower inflation, which would help alleviate cost of living pressures and ultimately lead to lower interest rates. And we'll talk about that one in a moment. Recessions often also lead to lower levels of immigration and less household formation, which could take some pressure off rents and home prices, although declining home building won't help on this front. So what would be the impact on shares? Historically, recessions in Australia and the US have tended to be associated with bear markets and shares, i.e. a 20% or more fall in the share market, as recessions drive a slump in company profits. A modifying factor this time around is that share markets are still about 8% or so down from their 2021, early 2022 highs, so the risk of recession is arguably partly already still factored into share markets, which may limit the extent of falls if a recession does eventuate. So what would be the impact on residential property? Australian home prices rebounded from their lows earlier this year as a severe supply shortfall has dominated rising interest rates. However, a recession could drive another leg down in home prices as buyers back off off, higher interest rates and higher unemployment push up distress selling, and recession drives reduced household formation. CoreLogic data shows a 9% fall in capital city property prices in the early 1980s recession, with a 25% fall in Sydney, and a 6% fall in the early 1990s recession, with a 10% fall in Sydney. So, what about interest rates? Recessions invariably drive sharp falls in interest rates, as the RBA will cut rates in response to falling inflation and rising unemployment. While we are allowing for two more 0.25% rate hikes from the RBA in the next few months, we're expected to cut rates four times next year. Finally, what does all this mean for investors? While well, times like these can be stressful for superannuation members and most investors, the best approach is to stick to an appropriate long-term investment strategy to take advantage of the rising long-term trend in share markets, given the difficulty in trying to time short-term swings. And just finally, many of you might have heard that Taylor Swift is coming to Australia with her ERAs tour next February. Our I reckon by february we might need a taylor swift lift to the economy to help shake off any malaise associated with a slump in the economy on the back of high interest rates but time will tell anyway i will leave it there i hope this has been of value until we meet again adios to keep up to date with dr oliver in the simplifying investing podcast series be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform